Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So did the Colts prove that they can play football or did the Colts prove that they can play 30 minutes of football? I mean, do we, do we take this loss to the Rams in overtime and say, well, they can press a good team to the edge? Or should we be wondering why in the world were there so many designed runs for a quarterback when Zach Moss is getting 100 yards a game? But the Colts seem to have less problems than IU football. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. JMV joins me right now. He is the voice of sports in Indiana from 93.5-1075 The Fan. In Indianapolis, Walt Bell is out. Maryland 44, IU 17, and I don't think it was that close. Uh, talk to me about the move IU is making. Is it enough? What exactly is going on here? No, it's not going to be enough. I mean, basically, this has been Tony IU football from oh, going back to 1969 until right now, for the most part. I mean, they've had you know a couple of moments here or there with Bill Mallory, um, and then they had that that COVID uh, pandemic moment in 2020 with Tom Allen, which kind of has led to all this. Now, I, I have always had questions whether or not it's ever going to be a legitimate football program, and I still have those questions. And you know, getting rid of of Walt Bell, who wasn't any good at his job, don't get me wrong, but getting rid of him is not going to all of a sudden raise the game of this offense whatsoever. Um, it's probably a situation in which Tom Allen found himself into because he was getting so much heat about how bad his team was, and you know they can't get rid of him right now because he's got a buyout, Tony, that if they do fire him, he gets about $20 million, which de-escalates down to, I think, $8 million coming up next year or after next year, so it would be more logical if you're looking at the funds down in Bloomington that they wait to fire Tom Allen until after next year, considering I'm sure next year is not going to be a lot better than what this year is. But, you know, a change for the sake of making change because their football program, and especially Tony offensively, is an embarrassment. The issue is coaching. The issue is players. When you say they can't build a a I mean, I, I'm going to use different words. They can't build a real program at IU. It's IU. We're not talking about a small place here. And I don't want the people of Bloomington coming to kick my ass. But they, they, why? how can you say make such a statement? Because that's the way it's always been. You know, outside of a few years here or there, you know, a good season in Bloomington for IU football is middling. Good season in Bloomington for IU football is, you know, squeezing out hopefully six wins and you know, beating the uh, – you know, the worst teams in the Big Ten, hopefully, in which they're on your schedule and kind of squeezing into a bowl game. That's always kind of been the case. And again, other than a couple of years, I absolutely love the Mallory family, and I love what Bill Mallory did, you know, with the football program. And still with a winning, or I should say a losing record overall, but, I mean, he gave everybody hope, and they had some good teams in the late 80s, had some good teams in the early 90s, but it's been few and far between. And I've often said this, I, it seems like that they've tried everything, um, 
and it always kind of seems like a decision they make in the moment turns out to be ultimately the wrong decision. You think about what Tom Allen did. Tom Allen got redone after the whole um, the COVID season of 2020 when they surprised everybody. And, you know, they're reeling off wins against the top-tier teams in the Big Ten, and everybody got excited about Tom Allen and what he was doing. You know, Tom can recruit. He can. But I, I don't know if it's the fact he just can't hire good coaches. Uh, certainly not being a good coach himself at the college level probably plays a role. He's, you know, a defensive coordinator. Certainly he's done that in the past collegiately. But this is uh, going downhill fast. Um, and I thought Saturday was just yet another in the line of huge embarrassments for the football program. Hey, Tony, they, they weren't competitive until Maryland decided to go ahead and take their foot off the gas. I mean, they weren't even competitive, weren't even close to it. So um, I, I wish I wish I had answers for you right now. Um, if I did, they'd probably hire me in Bloomington because they don't have any answers either, and really, through the years, they never have. Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana from 93.5, 107.5, the fan. You can find him on the X Twitter, JMV1070 is where you find him. Rod Carey, now uh, offensive coordinator, quality control uh, coach, also a former coach at Temple and Northern Illinois. Uh, IU is 2-3, and three, which is the exact same record as Purdue. Uh, the only thing you could say about them is that their new coach, Got a little bit of, uh, if you will, revenge over his former team, Purdue 44, uh, Illinois 19. But two and three, new coach, is this this okay? Well, I mean, it, it, coming off of that went over Illinois, it's okay. I don't think it's okay at all because you lose. Those three losses are all at home. And I think Boilermaker fans certainly expected a little bit better of a season than that, not losing that opener to Fresno State. and You know, getting housed once again by Wisconsin is what Purdue fans have become used to. But, you know, trying to compare that to even IU. IU has wins over Indiana State and Akron. They had to beat Akron in four overtimes after Akron benched their kicker and their punter went out there and missed what uh, a chip shot field goal for the win in one of those overtimes. So, yeah, this is not close to the same. Um, it was interesting, I guess, Tony, on Saturday um, where, you know, Ryan Walters went out there and, and decided to go ahead and take over uh, calling the defenses um, for his team. Certainly took that over. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator at Illinois, his old school. It was a big win, certainly a morale boost for that football team that needed it because they've had a tough schedule, but a schedule that, you know, at home-wise could have been conducive to a couple of more wins they just haven't found. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to get, because Walters is in year number one, he's going to get that, well, everything's okay, it's going to get a pass. But there is some disappointment there, considering that first month of the season, how this team, for the most part, has played at home. But they got themselves a little bit of a character builder on Saturday against Illinois, and that's a good thing. Let's move it over to the pros. Uh, the Rams 29, the Colts 23, in overtime, uh, before we get into that, we have to start with a tale of two halves. Why in the world? I, I think I was texting you during the game. Why yeah. in the world did a team that proved that Zach Moss can run the ball behind this offensive line? Why in the world they did they decide, hey, in the first half, Anthony Richardson, he should be running back one. Everything should be a design run play. What are we doing here? Well, and you know what? That may have been a miscalculation. This is just me guessing here, Tony. I was guessing, and this is how it felt sitting in the press box 
that they were trying to reestablish Anthony Richardson and getting him used to what he was doing, considering he had set out the the previous week. And there had been a lot of questions about, hey, is he going to have the same type of workload running the football? And you remember, I told you, and I've told certainly my listeners, you know, this is something you might as well get used to. You might as well get used to it because it's going to happen all the time. You know, hopefully there at some point where it, um, again, is, is slowed down. And when that point happens, you'll know that they feel that he is a much better and more accurate passer, which hopefully is the case coming up down the road. But listen, it could be a, a miscalculation uh, by the coaching staff. Here's what I thought. And I don't know what you felt sitting at home watching this. I felt that this team didn't really look prepared to start that game. I mean, you have EJ Speed just making the bonehead of all bonehead plays. Think yep. about it, you take that away, where Matthew Stafford's, you know, a good three yards out of bounds, and Speed comes up on his own sideline, mind you, from out of bounds to pop Stafford um, to maintain that drive, and they ultimately score the first seven of the game on that drive. It just, to me, kind of seemed like both sides of the football, the Colts weren't ready, and it took them about a half of, half of football for whatever reason to get ready. I, like people have said, do you think they got full of themselves because they beat Baltimore and everybody was feeling good? I, I don't know if it was full of themselves, but it didn't look like that they were prepared to play to start that game. The decision-making, you know, all the way around, you can put it on the coaches as well, just did not seem like it was ready for the moment to begin that game against the Rams. And, and really, they were embarrassed, I thought, on both sides of the football in that first half. I don't think that – is even a controversial statement. But then comes the second half, and here this team goes. Now, Anthony Richardson was only 11 for 25 for 200 yards. Zach Moss was 18 carries for 70 yards. So he's only about 8 to 10 carries off of where he probably should have been, as Anthony Richardson was 10 carries for 56. Uh, But what is, to make such a change at halftime, that's, that's a very weird thing. We saw this certainly with the Colts last year with Matt Ryan, that even though they didn't get the wins, they at least came alive in, 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 in the fourth quarter. Like there was some kind of, all right, I guess we should, should play now. How do, you, how do you change this? Is this something that you think Steichen and this team look at and say, okay, we can't go in there and try and make Anthony feel comfortable, Anthony Richardson. We got to go in there and start bombing this defense and getting points on the board. See if you follow me on this one. This is kind of what I felt. I, I do think that they made halftime adjustments and, and came out there and were better prepared. And and as I mentioned with my statement of the first half was an embarrassment, maybe felt that embarrassment to a team, to a person, and just came out with a desire to play better. But if you saw, and especially midway through the third quarter, Tony, when you saw Matt Ryan get dinged up where he could barely walk and you're wondering why he was still out there, I thought Sean McVay – I thought he took his foot off the gas a great deal offensively. I thought that, you know, he's thinking, i got to get my quarterback through this right now, and, you know, we can rely on field goals. It just kind of felt like – and then all of a sudden you saw them, you know, put the foot back on the gas in that overtime, if that makes sense to you, that that first possession in which they scored the touchdown and won in overtime. It just kind of seemed like that midway through the third, through the fourth quarter, that – that McVeigh was just trying to to maybe squeak out a win, knowing that his quarterback, you know, his quarterback was out there, didn't want to obviously go to the bench, and um, and, and the Colts didn't take advantage of it. And here's why: I, I they should have been all over Stafford. They should have been they should have been blitzing. 
they were, to me, so soft in playing Stafford, and especially in that overtime, it was mind-numbing with me. I mean, you give Stafford, who can't move all that time in overtime, for example, and then you get your best wide receiver who's wide open because of a defensive mix-up. At, at some point, you've got to realize, don't you, you got to be able to get after the quarterback. I thought Quiddy Pay uh, certainly hadn't been what Quiddy Pay was the first three weeks of the season. That part was disappointing. But maybe even more so with the team, the disappointment was once you saw Matt Ryan as hobble as he was, not being able to take advantage Wait, of hold that on. Time out. Was too bad. Stafford. You're so used not to Matt Ryan that, being. Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking slow and, <laughs> slow and injured looking. Yeah, my bad. So, yeah, mixing up the players. Matt Stafford, uh, when you saw Matt Stafford with the way that he did that hobbled, it probably would have, uh, to me, it would have been better off to put as much pressure as you could on him. But they clearly had trouble in the back end with that secondary, and they're going to have even more trouble, I'm sure, further down the road in that. But, yeah, the defense, I think – Overall, they're playing the first half and then certainly in the second, that overtime was the most disappointing aspect to me, Tony, in that game yesterday. So now we we take a look at, at what comes. And yeah, the, the, the Mac game missed uh, field goal would have made the, the difference. Remember that uh, that the Rams yep. missed two field goals uh, in, in, in this game. You take from it what, though? You you watch this team battle back. You watch them move it to overtime. Uh, certainly, I believe in the fourth quarter with a minute forty seven left, they should have been able to move uh, the ball. I think it was some. I I would want to get an understanding of that play calling, but you are now the two and two Colts. You had the worst day possible when it comes to the division because the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Titans all win. What are you saying to your team? What is it that you're doing for next week? Well, to, to me, it was such a missed opportunity. And we live right now, Tony, in a spot to where, hey, this is about a reboot and a rebuild. And I've said this with you plenty of times. Hey, that's great. That's exactly what this is. But it is okay to win during this. And we saw it back in 2012 when they won 11 games with Andrew Luck as a rookie. It was okay. That was a rebuild, too. But they won, and that makes it even sweeter. Really more sweet, probably, most of the time than if you're the favorite in general. So that was a huge missed opportunity. The two and two now, everybody in the AFC South, which is very AFC South-esque, but you get Tennessee coming up next weekend. Can you imagine the magnitude of that game, what the crowd would have been like? And I'm sure they'll be fired up anyway, but you could have put yourself in such a great position and you blew it yesterday. See, it's almost like we're not supposed to be critical about this team, Tony, because, hey, you know what? They're rebuilding and they got a 21-year-old quarterback. Bullcrap. You know what? We evaluate how they play, and they stunk for a full half of football yesterday. And it makes no difference whether or not you give them a pass. We shouldn't give them a pass because that was an incredibly winnable game, and you could have changed that dynamic going into Sunday that would have been so great for Colts fans and downtown, and maybe even the roof and the window would be open. It's going to be in the 60s and sunny. You're not going to pass that threshold of 80 degrees and Sunday afternoon, so you can't you know, obviously have the roof open according to their rules. But, no, nah, I mean, it was a missed op- – that's what it was. It was a missed opportunity. I like to hold teams to a higher standard. I think we're allowed to do that. And they scuffled around, waited too long, got down 23 nothing, and could not finish the deal. And ultimately, even in a rebuilding season, that is incredibly disappointing. 
By the way, the whole roof not being open is a mystery to absolutely everyone. Well, I, you want me to clarify it for you? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if I have the time. Do it in 30 seconds. Go. Okay, here's a clarification. All right, if there's a rain cloud anywhere between here and Kansas City, it's never going to be open. And if it, between noon and 4 o'clock, gets 80 degrees or warmer, it's never going to be open. Thank goodness that's, we spent the money real. on it. Go, go Indiana. Go Indiana. <laughs> JMV, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in Indiana. Always appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz.